use the old hymns. And now I'm in a very phase where I'm very happy to have them back. <laughs> so we are in a series, a uh, very short two-week series on the Lord's Prayer, found in uh, Matthew, at least the version we're doing is in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 9, okay, I got confused, I'm looking at Zechariah, not Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we've been singing your word all morning. But Father, as we come to uh, reflect on it and learn from it, Father, we pray that you will speak to our hearts, particularly in this matter of prayer. Father, that you will teach us to pray, and not just how to pray, but to actually pray effectively, powerfully and intimately. In Jesus' name, amen. So as always, notes for, or nearly always, notes for today's message are in the app. So uh, last week we uh, began looking at God's agenda for prayer through the lens of the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we saw that according to a recent survey, which we took in church, actually a good chunk of us struggle with prayer. Many of us either don't pray at all, or only very occasionally, or only pray a few times a week. So prayer isn't really an, um, an embedded part of our lives. And so I suggested that re-engaging with prayer uh, is a matter of us, or part of that might be getting with God's prayer agenda instead of just being wrapped up in our own agenda. And we saw last week that getting with God's agenda means lifting our eyes heavenward. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and when we lift our eyes heavenward and we pray from a place of relationship as with God as our Father and a place of concern for His glory uh, and a desire to see His kingdom come into our lives and the lives of people around us, uh, it, can, it has the potential to really transform our lives and our prayers. It helps us to frame the rest of our prayers as well, as we'll see this morning. We, we see earthly things with the proper context of heaven, with an eternal perspective. And so this helps us to both pray with faith and also pray for the right things in the right way. Not that there's really wrong prayers, you know what I'm saying, but we want to be effective in our prayers. And so it's in this light we saw, you know, it was about concern for the things of God, you, uh, your name, your kingdom, your will. And then the prayer Jesus teaches us moves to more of an us focus. Uh, give us 
our daily bread. Forgive us our uh, debts. Don't lead us into temptation. So more earthly concerns. Jesus begins his prayer with the simple request to give us our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. That might seem straightforward, but as with most things spiritual, there is discussion about what that actually means. The Greek word for daily is epiousios. You don't need to remember that past this sermon. But it only occurs twice in the New Testament. It occurs here in Matthew and it occurs in Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. So apparently the only time Jesus used it was in regards to prayer. And it only occurs outside the Bible two or three times maybe, well once or twice maybe. And so as a result, scholars aren't entirely sure what exactly it means, getting, getting down to, we know roughly daily, but what does that mean? Some have suggested that it means praying for our uh, needs for tomorrow, that they'll be supplied today. Because it has sort of a little bit of a forward-looking aspect. But I don't think that really works in the context of Jesus' teaching. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Just focus on today and trust God. And so I think in that context, seeking our daily bread, either seeking our bread for today or, Lord, tomorrow, supply my bread for tomorrow, that sort of I just day by day is enough when we're trusting God. Well, that's all good and well. But the reality, I think, for most of us in Australia is that we uh, have the opposite problem of needing our daily bread. Lord, where am I going to get my food from today? Struggle a little bit uh, with, with the other thing, obesity, not starvation. Not all of us, but I have to put my hand up there. You're probably all painfully aware of that. Most of us, most of us have access to social welfare if we lose our job or if something goes wrong. Of course, for Jesus' audience, uh, life could very much, and for most of them, life was a day-to-day, hand-to-mouth affair. If uh, you were just a casual worker, you got paid at the end of the day uh, for your work. And if you were sick, or if there was a drought, or if you couldn't find work that day, that was tough. You have too many of those sorts of days, and it spells disaster. Daily bread probably includes all our daily needs. Um, As someone said, though, it's our daily needs, not our daily greeds. So when we translate this into our context, of course, there are very real um, existential threats to some people. We have a housing crisis and uh, people who, you know, for the first time in their lives suddenly find themselves in a difficult situation. They may not be starving, but they might be living in their car, they might be house surfing, couch surfing, they might be living on the street because of circumstances they've had no control over. And I think those sorts of things, which if that is you, someone here, please let us know. But I think for most of us it's not, but you know, we hear it uh, and read it in the headlines quite regularly. So I think praying for a roof over our heads, if that is a threat, that sort of thing is very legitimate application of this prayer. And it really does express a trust in God to supply these needs when when we're in need. 
But I suspect that for most of us, the application that's really going to resonate with us might be more spiritual than physical. And in fact, the early church fathers, many of them uh, saw that was the meaning. Uh, and, and they gave a spiritual meaning to this word, epiousios, daily, and also to the idea of daily bread. So Origen was a third century theologian from Africa in uh, Alexandria in North Africa in Egypt. And he put it this way, which sort of sums up, there were different attitudes with it around the Eucharist, the communion and so on. But Origen said, since some understand from this that we are commanded to pray for material bread, it will be well to refute their error. Now, I don't think that is an error, but Origen did. And to establish the truth about the epiousios or supersubstantial bread, we must ask them how it could be that he, he who commanded us to ask for great and heavenly favours should command us to intercede with the Father for what is small and of the earth, as if he had forgotten uh, what he had taught. For the bread that is given to our flesh is neither heavenly nor is the request for it a great request. In the Gospel according to John, he says to those who had come to Capernaum seeking for him, Amen, Amen, I say to you, you seek me not because you have seen miracles, but because you did not eat of the loaves and were filled. Or, did you not seek me because of the miracles, but because of the loaves and were filled? One who has eaten of the bread blessed by Jesus and is filled with it tries all the more to understand the Son of God more perfectly and hastens to him. Hence his admiral command, labour not for the meat that perishes, but for that which endures to life everlasting, which the Son of Man will give you. The true bread is that which nourishes the true humanity, the person created after the image of God. Now, as I said, I don't think, in origin, actually, he is a key early church father, but he also said some things that the church decided, that's not really kosher, but I think he goes a little bit, as could happen in the early church, goes a little bit too far with saying, well, why would God care about your daily needs? Well, God does care. And I think this is part of the point of the prayer, that God cares about your physical situation and that he loves and he will attend to that. But as I say, that's not necessarily the concern most of us have. And what this thinking does is adds a layer of prayer that can perhaps make it a bit richer for some of us. Uh, and that is that we need communion with Christ in prayer through the Word and through the Spirit. Um, and so if you struggle with your walk of prayer, can I encourage you when you come to this part of it to turn it into a prayer for fellowship with Christ? And you might just even just recite it, but recite it from the heart if you don't have other words. Something like, Father in heaven, Give us the heavenly bread that is Jesus. I mean, does that sound like a good prayer? We want fellowship with him and, and we can use this prayer for daily bread as a, a, a cry of the heart to know uh, Christ and have more intimacy with him. But if you have physical needs, do pray for them. The prayer very much is about that. Another reason I think that we can see this request for daily bread as spiritual is that Jesus very much slips again into spiritual and relational matters it's sort of sandwiched between very spiritual concerns and the kingdom on one hand and then Jesus moves into forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors 
Jesus used the metaphor for debt a lot in regard to our relationship with God and how we should treat others. We owe God a debt we can never repay. Uh, we have a debt of sin and, uh, and Christ came to pay that debt on the cross. But I also wonder if we owe God a debt of gratitude and of love that we can just never repay. God has poured out infinite love and grace on us and we're finite beings so how can we ever repay that we have a debt but in any case God graciously forgives us our sins but there is a condition I don't know if that shocks you to say but Alex I thought grace is unconditional Jesus says to ask for forgiveness in the same way that we have forgiven those who owe us something God forgive me my debts as I've forgiven my debtors and this is so serious that this is the one point Jesus comes and revisits at the end of the prayer as if for a clarification he says for if you forgive others their offenses your heavenly father will forgive you as well but if you don't forgive others your father will not forgive your offenses that is terrifyingly explicit if you were around for our series in Galatians you might remember that understanding salvation was right at the beginning of the series understanding salvation is partly a matter of understanding what God has saved us from and what he saved us to and what he has saved us to is into a kingdom of grace it's all of grace and we can't continue to live by law in that kingdom that was the context of Galatians but you know when you think about this you owe me something so you have to repay that you have whether it's a, a, a financial debt which is what the metaphor is but of course it goes beyond that to sin you have wronged me and actually under the Old Testament law if you were wronged you had a right to repay there were limits on that it was designed to stop blood feuds but that was the law but we're no longer under law we're people who live in the kingdom of God's grace that is the atmosphere that we breathe so if God has poured that out on us how can we come in the opposite spirit and expect to live in that in fact Peter seems to have struggled with this and and uh, another parable that Jesus told in Matthew 18 21 uh, and I'm going to read the whole thing just to make it clear because this is an area that we struggle with so much as humans Matthew 18 21 then Peter approached him and asked Lord how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me as many as seven times seven's a perfect number that sounds good I tell you not as many as seven Jesus replied but 70 times seven um, for this reason the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wants to wanted to settle accounts with his servants when he began to settle accounts one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him since he did not have the money to pay it back his master commanded that he his wife his children and everything he had be sold to pay the debt at this the servant fell face down before him and said be patient with me and I will pay you everything then the master of that servant had compassion released him and forgave him the loan 
that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii at uh, about a day's wage. He grabbed him, started choking him and said, pay what you owe. At this his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what, he had take, what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Wow. <clears throat> Don't shoot me, I'm just the messenger. So there's no getting around it. And I wonder if sometimes we struggle with our spiritual life, we struggle with our prayer life, because we're hanging on to debts that people owe us. It may well be that we have been unjustly and grievously wronged, that we are 100% justified in our anger and our wanting justice. That we are justified in hanging on to that. And yet the kingdom of God which we're a part of is one of radical grace. God would be justified in sending every one of us to hell. Even the most righteous saint would have no grounds for objection. But it's in his unconditional love and grace that God has forgiven us. So again, how can we expect to live in, a king, in that kingdom in the opposite spirit, a spirit of bitterness, of vengeance, of anger? Sometimes we hang on to relatively minor wrongs that have been done to us. And really, it's just a case of, get over it. Yeah, I know it was aggravating or they did the wrong thing or whatever, but just get over it. It's not worth it. But sometimes we carry on uh, or carry very deep wounds uh, because of terrible things that were done to us. And, uh, you know, forgiveness is still necessary. It's not optional. But that's not to say it's easy, of course, and it may be difficult. And it's in those cases we'll need wise friends and counsellors around us to help us, uh, to walk with us, to pray with us. We may need professional help in those circumstances. And of course, ultimately, Jesus is our healer. That includes psychological and emotional trauma. We can trust him. But we must forgive. And so this prayer for forgiveness is a prayer for spiritual and relational freedom. It's a prayer for freedom and relationship, both vertically with God, 
God, forgive me. I know there are things I'm always having to come to God to ask for forgiveness. But also horizontally with other people to forgive those who have wronged us. And of course, the flip side of that is to ask for forgiveness and reconciliation with those we've wronged. Finally, Jesus teaches us to pray for spiritual guidance and protection. Uh, Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's an interesting prayer, isn't it? Have you ever wondered about that? God, don't lead me into, or don't, my translation says bring, it's the same difference. Don't bring me into temptation. My translation says... uh, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one the Greeks ambiguous about that whether Jesus meant evil in general or Satan in particular and both work in the end we want deliverance from both but this this idea God don't lead me into temptation as if God is considering doing that what do we do there that particularly in the light of James 1 13 which says no one undergoing a trial should say I am being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. So why would we ask God to not lead us into temptation if he can't do that anyway? Uh, The word temptation can also mean a trial or a testing. But Jesus sort of said, you're going to be tested, folks. You're going to have trouble. Uh, Just get used to that idea. That's, you know, if they hated me, they'll hate you. So what do we do with that then? In the end, most commentators uh, agree that this is probably just a humble admission of our weakness and a prayer for deliverance. It's like, Father, please remember we're just dust. Go easy on us. Deliver us or rescue us from evil. And don't we all feel that at some level? Sometimes we face a very immediate immediate testing and temptation or attacks and we need God's deliverance from it in that moment pray there's no world uh, no doubt the world is becoming more hostile towards Christianity and sometimes you know that's actually a little bit legitimate um, things so-called Christians have done in the world and people get a bit antsy about that and that that's fair enough but sometimes it's just general rebellion against God they don't like the idea of God and of accountability to him and of the kind of lives we're called to live. And in either way, pray. God, don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. So the Lord's Prayer, this part of the prayer then reminds us that God is our provider. Even if we live in a prosperous country, God is our provider. It reminds us that he calls us to relationships of radical grace and forgiveness. It reminds us that he is our deliverer. In some ways, this can be really hard to pray, actually, because it calls for humility that, you know, we're not three-year-olds. I can do it by myself. That actually, I'm growing up and I can't do it by myself. It calls for courage, but it's also a powerful way to pray because when we're doing this, we're actually asking God's kingdom to come to be manifest in very concrete ways. 
So if you struggle with prayer, last week I gave a challenge to just uh, spend time with the first couple of lines of the prayer. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. And just to begin with worship and just to sit there. I wonder if, if that's helped you this week. But this time, a couple of weeks back, Fletcher introduced us to the idea of the examine or a contemplative prayer. And you can find some tools uh, for that under our resources section on our website. And so this week I want to encourage you and challenge you to use the Lord's Prayer as a framework for that, uh, that sort of prayerful reflection. Even if it's only five minutes a day. Just to think through some questions. Think like, okay, so what places do I want to see God's kingdom come today? What physical, spiritual or, or spiritual needs do I need God to supply for me today? Who do I need to forgive today? And what do I need to repent of and seek forgiveness for today? What or who do I need God to deliver me from today? And if we just spend a few minutes a day, or doing that even just a few times a week, I wonder what God will do. I wonder what that will do for our prayer life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace to us. Thank you that you call us to this radical kingdom of grace. And I pray that you will help us to put aside our human propensity, our, our, our cry for justice and see that justice is being done in Jesus. Father, help us to see how you are concerned for our physical and spiritual needs as well as that of our world. And Lord, help us to come as humble, dependent, grateful children to our Father who loves to give and give and give and provide for our needs. And Father, I pray that you will teach us to pray and in doing that, you will transform us and our prayer lives. In Jesus' name, amen.